Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Morgan's Farm to Table Studios, located on County Road 42 and Nicollet in Burnsville, featuring six local farmers, Taste the Difference, award-winning. This is The Howl. Tonight, we have a very special announcement that we have joined the CLNS Media Network. We can still be found on all of our normal platforms, but now this includes the clnsmedia.com website. We strongly recommend you listen to all of the great shows that are a part of the network. We'd also like to welcome everybody to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite league, the NBA. The Howl is brought to you by our wonderful supporting partners, Rhymesayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the airball of the radio world, your host, Kevin Draves. To my right is Aaron Bitmoji Groshang, the producer of the show. And seated to my left is none other than Rob Stepped Out of Bounds Hess, who is the jack of all trades for the program. Our first half show features a rundown of the Wolves Week that was and look ahead to the upcoming schedule. We will also have our talkers segment covering everything Wolves, NBA, and WNBA. The only thing better than the sound of a swish is the sound of a howl. Quarter one of the howl, and we are halfway through our NBA season. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've uh, last gone over the uh, the breakdown, you know, the, the review and the preview, if you will, of our beloved Timber Pups. Uh, so 11 games played in the last couple weeks since we last met. We're just going to talk about the games uh, from the first of the year up until today, the day that we record. Uh, so that is four games in all, and then we'll be previewing uh, four games as well. Uh, but in the 11 games, including those four games, uh, the Wolves go 8-3 and three since we last met. So a phenomenal statistic right there. The 
All three losses were to Eastern Conference teams. We struggled against Eastern Conference this year. Western Conference has just simply struggled against that weak Eastern Conference, guys. It's surprising. The really Celtics, the Nets, and the Bucks were the three teams that the Wolves lost against. Uh, just for the record, the Wolves are four and ten this season versus Eastern Conference teams. Uh, Twenty-one and six versus Western Conference. And I read—I don't remember who said it, but. Um, Somebody said that only two teams have a better winning percentage against Western Conference teams currently than the Timberwolves. So, phenomenal to see. And honestly, we're winning the games against the teams that currently matter to us the most. Because A, we need positioning in the conference. And B, when it comes playoff time, we're going to be playing three series against Western Conference teams. So, honestly, the fact that we're getting these wins now and we're showing that we can beat teams like the Pelicans... Like, you know, jazz. like the Jazz, Thunder, the Nuggets, the Thunder. Those are just all in my in my eyes. Those are great signs that come playoff time. The Wolves aren't going to be a one series and done team. And it's it's great for me to see it. The key, too, is we're playing our best basketball right now. I think everyone can, can agree. Yeah. And so when you're talking about the Eastern Conference, there's, it's such a select number of teams you really have to worry about come playoff time because you're only going to probably meet a team like the Celtics or the Cavs, and that's if you made the finals. So you're more, like Kevin said, you're more worried about the Western Conference, and that's who you're playing best against. So, I, I mean, I, I'll take that. And to piggyback on your playing our best basketball right now, we are doing this with our starting point guard sitting on the sidelines with mm-hmm. a sprained MCL and allowing – guys like Tyus Jones and Jamal Crawford to really get in the mold. You bring Teague back once healthy, there's no rush, there's no pressure. It's mm-hmm. not like you're watching them play and thinking, oh my gosh, we need Teague back as soon as possible. Is there a scenario where he comes off the bench? No. I, I as, as much as I love Tyus, I think right now we're paying Teague too much. To have him come off the bench. I'm I, not, but here's the thing. I'm not saying necessarily he's going to lose the minutes. I'm just saying, is there a scenario where you want, you know, you say, look, I, Teague and Crawford off the bench. That could just do wonders for what Teague, you're looking Crawford, for. Gorgie. I mean, that's a pretty good one. You know, I think bottom line, when Teague comes back, Tyus Jones has to play more. This whole playing in like 10, 15 minutes, we can't have that anymore. It would be. I love that idea because now that I'm thinking about Teague, Gorgie, and Crawford eating up against second-tier guys, second-team guys, it sounds so exciting to me because clearly we've seen Tyus can easily handle the load on the starting starting five. Agreed. And, you know, uh, statistically, do you know what the number one, uh, number one five-man lineup is in the NBA? Uh, I believe it's... Minimum of 180 minutes? Yes. Is it Tyus, Butler, Wiggins, Gibson, Towns? It is. Although, second is – uh, the only team that's ahead of them, if you actually – it's really funny. If you go down to 100 minutes, apparently, yeah, there's some mass. weird, like, Dirk, J.J. Barea-based lineup that's apparently number one. So that tells you a little bit about how that stat can be a little mis- misconstrued. But over 180 minutes, so you're looking at basically – all the minutes they've played together, for the most part, because he's only been in the starting lineup for a few games, they're, they've been phenomenal. What game do we want to preview or recap here, guys? Well, we're gonna, so we're going to start with uh, the second night of a back-to-back, um, New Year's Day, against the L.A. Lakers. Now, just to set the story, the Wolves were in Indiana the night before playing the Pacers. 
They get a gritty 17-point win in Banker's Life Fieldhouse. They fly home. They take on the Lakers on New Year's Day. And, again, this is another game that the Wolves need to win. They're playing a bad Lakers team without Lonzo Ball. Yeah, say what you want about Lonzo Ball. They're a better team when he plays. Yes, they, they are. are. And he's, he's surprised me a lot. I will say I did not expect Lonzo to come into the league and play as well as he has for a guy that had so much on him and and still does with his dad not being able to keep his mouth shut. But yeah. me and Aaron, if you combine our takes, we predicted Lonzo Ball to a T. I said he'd be terrible at shooting. Aaron said he'd put up statistics. And you're not wrong, and I'm not wrong. And that's kind of where we're at. The, 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 biggest, the biggest factor in this game for the Wolves is, A, they were able to hold – Kyle Kuzma to six points and a minus 17 and 18 minutes. How good is Kyle Kuzma, by the way? He's so good. So good. A a great pickup for this Lakers team. Uh, But they were able to hold him down. Uh, They were able to keep guys like, you know, Randall somewhat contained. I mean, he's going to get his points regardless. Um, But he had 15 and 12. He definitely could have gone off for more. One thing I'm noticing from this Wolves team, and tell me if I'm wrong, but over over the last like handful of games, I'm noticing this Wolves defense is getting so much better. It is. Yep. Statistically, we'll talk about that is. more closely in the second quarter in the Talkers. But yay! But since the beginning of December, we've been on fire defensively. And kudos to Tom Thibodeau. Now, does he still struggle with uh, out of bounds plays? Yes, he does. But defensively, the team has started to improve, and that's something. When Tom Thibodeau joined this team, if there was one thing you said he was going to bring, it was going to be defense, and he's showing that now. Who I thought you were going to talk about the Shabazz do not do not plays that are just accruing at a rapid they, rate. They are accruing and because this off, is this is a game they dumped the bench in. But before before we get to that, hold on one second. Who who has been the guy that has been vocal not only on here but on Twitter about people needing to be patient about the defense because the first year of Tibbs' reign in Chicago wasn't as great well, I mean, as years two, three, four, and five. I think five. a lot of people said to be patient. Wolves Twitter, you would never know. Oh, you no, would, correct. You would honestly 90% think, of Wolves Twitter has You would honestly bad. think that Tibbs is on the hot seat right now and about to get fired with, some, with the way that some people react. The, he has made some poor decisions. I think we can all agree that there's no reason Aaron Brooks should ever play. He is terrible at basketball. Can we agree? Terrible basketball? Correct. So I cut no NBA player is terrible, but in far, as far as NBA players go, I I could find about twenty five that could take a spot. Let's just jump to our, our favorite D League or G League team, the Iowa Wolves. There's a point guard right down there. Melo Trimble's been playing phenomenally. And there I get, I'm telling you, there's no way he could be worse than Aaron Brooks. Well, speaking of uh, some favorite G League players, Vander Blue makes an appearance in this Lakers. Game. Good for him. Speaking of people have been touting, how long have I been talking about Vander Blue? That is my guy. Good, I'm good for. I'm glad love Vander Blue. Yes, hundred percent. The other guy that really surprised me, the Lakers, Josh Hart. Well, co- coming in the draft, remember we talked about what a good shooter he is. Mm-hmm. So you've definitely seen a little bit, but uh, and he's a solid frame, good NBA body on him. I, I like his. He struggled in this game though with fouls. No, but he, the first Lakers matchup we played with them, he played all right. Um, I don't know. I could see him being a solid bloomer, you know, a couple years down the road. Could be us. All things considered, I think it – I mean – This is a good win for the Wolves. It's a good win for the Wolves, but just based off what he's saying, I, the Lakers, great job with the draft. If yep. you're just early on, if you're going to start to build something and, you know, who knows what this is going to become, who knows who's actually going to show up there. But 
They've definitely done some. They've got some pieces. This is so a much needed win. They both yes. needed to win this game. So two things that stand out to me in this game. Number one, 27 of 30 from the free throw line. And this is something that we're going to see be a common theme for this team. Jimmy Butler, 11 of 11 from the free throw line. 28 points, 9 assists, 3 rebounds, 8 of 14 shooting, and 11 of 11 from the free throw line. Jimmy Butler is reasserting himself in the all-NBA picture. And he the MVP chance that he's getting from the home fans is well-deserved. He, you know, the first few games of the season, you kind of saw a tentative Jimmy Butler. Didn't know exactly yeah. where he fit on this team. Nobody was taking the lead and saying, this is my team. We need to do this. And I think Jimmy wasn't trying to step on toes of Cat and Wiggins. Cat and Wiggins weren't trying to step on toes. And Jimmy finally said, you know what? Enough is enough. Jimmy has exerted himself as the leader of this team. The ability for him to get to the line to rebound, to assist, and to score at a consistent clip. Jimmy's the Jimmy's the head of this team. And when it, it at least over the last handful of games, Jimmy's play has dictated how the Wolves play overall as a team. The one thing I'll say about the MVP race, if you had to pick one MVP guy right now, or if you, let's say let's say you picked three, if you look at some of the popular names, I would definitely put Jimmy Butler ahead of some of them. Yeah. Because well, if you, you take to, away you to think it's most valuable player, so most Correct. valuable to the team. Like yeah. Take them away, will they still be good? That's what it should be. Yep. So if you take away, for example, if you take away James Harden, are the Rockets still good? Yeah, the Rockets are probably still pretty good. I mean, you've got Chris Paul, you've got players there. Yeah. Are they the same team? No, of course not. How about Steph Curry? You right? take him away, you got KD, be- you got Clay Thompson, you got Draymond. I'm sorry, but you're not that valuable. To your Russell team. Westbrook, you got Paul George, Steven Adams, and Carmelo. I'm sorry. Those that's not an MVP. My three horses would be Giannis, LeBron, and Butler right now. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Now, LeBron is one of those players that me, I would still put in the same classification with Westbrook and Clay, or with Westbrook and Steph, and with Harden. Because I you can't look do at that. that. Who's he? Who? If they, how many games are they winning? Maybe twenty. The Cavs right if, now. Yeah, right now because Isaiah Thomas just came back, and you don't know what you're going to get from him. So it'd be Kevin Love. They'd be a five. We've seen team. that. We've seen that song and dance before in Minnesota. Kevin Love cannot lead a team. Can't do it. If LeBron's not on that team, and and I could see that. I, so I LeBron just... is probably to me. I think almost every year LeBron is deserving of MVP. I think it's a as of right now. I think it's a good three horse race. It's LeBron, it's Giannis, and it's Jimmy Butler. And the reason why I would give Jimmy Butler the edge is it's a brand new team. These other guys have been with these teams. They've been building something with these teams. It's a whole new team, and Jimmy Butler has capped into that ship and successfully. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. Well, let's let's move on. Wolves get the win, yep. one fourteen to ninety six. Again, holding yet another opponent under one hundred points. Good on the pups there. Uh, the next game that they move on to is one of these. We we here on the howl like to call this the it's a trap game. Uh, as this shouldn't have to, been though. It shouldn't have been. They were they're missing all the guys they have injured right now. You go into that game and. I was like, this is a blowout. I, I thought for sure this would be a blowout. The, I can't believe the it. Brooklyn but Nets. Un- he underestimated one guy. In the Barclays Center, and somebody somebody by the name of Spencer Dinwiddie gets the, the pass to get into the arena, somehow gets into the locker room, 
uses his custom Nets jersey with his last name on it. You know, finds what, a pair of shorts in the team shop and suits up and takes the court and puts up twenty six points on the Timberwolves. I'm going to say this: it took the perfect. This was like all things. This was like the planets aligning. I think of this game. The Nets were Team USA, and we were Russia in the sense that. If we played this specific team 10 times, we'd win nine. And this was that 10th game. Because same with Spencer Dinwiddie, those two shots he made at the end of the game. (laughs) Right. If he shot that shot a 1,000 times, he's going to miss it 999 times. That was like the Trenton Hassel rainbow. It was like throw it up and pray because they were not good shots. You want to know what's more infuriating? The Nets had three players in double figures. Three. Spencer Dinwiddie had 26. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson had 10. Joe Harris had 17. Nobody else. Joe Harris du- was bombing. The nobody threes. else in double digits for this team. And we still freaking lost that the, the, the tail of the tape though. And this is a great example. If you were a coach and you wanted to show people how important the three ball is, this is the game because oh, God, yeah, they were raining threes and the wolves made one 9.1% from three for the timber pups, 46.7 from three. And that does tell the, the story. You know how they talk about, how box scores don't tell the whole story. The box score tells the story of this game. Honestly, it tells a big part of it. I will but, say but this then, though. But then if you look at but then if you look at these two numbers, the Wolves had twelve fouls to the Nets twenty three, and the Wolves also had eight turnovers to the Nets nineteen. I mean, this is a tough loss. I'm gonna say this. I to me, and I got backlash on Twitter. I said this is the worst loss of the season. I was told I was wrong. Well, I, think I think this is the worst I think loss that's of the season. Accurate. I get that you lose to the Suns. The Suns have had some nice wins. The Suns have some good players. Uh, I don't know how this is not the worst loss of the season. I I find it amazing that it's, this is another game we're talking about as a Wolves loss, and then I sit here and it's eight turnovers. I just don't – I find it unbelievable you can yeah. lose a game, but really what it is is it breaks down to rebounding and three-point shooting. Yep. For you know, this there, loss right here. There, there was a stat I saw early that when the Wolves have like less than 15 turnovers, they had a losing record. And when they had more than 15 turnovers, they had a winning record. I'm curious. That was probably two months ago. I'm, pro- I'm still curious to see how that's played out as we go along in the season, if it's kind of evened itself out more. But this, this is just a, a bad loss. Before we move on, though, let me say one last thing. And I was told that this doesn't matter because in games that you're supposed to win, you don't get to claim this. But at the end of this game, and it might have even been the specific Spencer Dinwiddie shots, but two terrible calls ended this game. There was Tyus Jones. If you guys remember the end of this game, Tyus Jones made a pass into the post to, to Taj Gibson. Gibson just bounced off his hands and went on a bounce. Yep. Tyus Jones was clearly fouled. Yes. That was a big difference maker. And then I think it was on the either the last basket or the second to last basket by Dinwiddie. There was a clear travel in the lane, like clear as day. And right away, Jim Peterson's like, that's a travel. You have to call that. You don't just get to not call that. And you take those two things right there, and that's a four-point swing and we win the game. Now, again, I get the whole thing with the Brooklyn Nats are terrible and blah, blah, blah. But I just wanted to point that out because it was right at the end of the game at the precipice. And and it makes a difference. But ultimately, terrible loss. Terrible I, loss. I think before we this is wrapped up and we, we can bury this loss, we have to again address the right word, by the way. The out of bounds play and end of game calls oh, yes. oh, by Tibbs because this is another example, and I think I think we are a good um, flag bearer of 
just making sure it's addressed because it's starting to add up. And you can't tell me you don't imaginal, you know, you can't drum it up in your head how to get a basket or a shot better than the one you got. Drive to the basket, post up cat, fake fake to somebody, hit a corner three, you know, drive and kick. I mean, anything, pick and roll. It, it cannot just be do whatever we got to do to get the ball inbounded, hand it to Jimmy. Which, and then, how hard has it been on out-of-bounds plays at the end of games? Stressful. We struggle to get the ball inbounds. Stressful. Like, for anyone that's coached basketball, it's not that hard to come up with an out-of-bounds play. Like, right now, if we were playing a game, I could draw you up an out-of-bounds play. I could just make one up off the top of my head. There's a million it's of them. It's not that hard. You know, I think this is an area – I think it's fair to be critical of Thibs in this area because it always seems like his out-of-bounds play is basically – it's the Phil Jackson thing where Phil Jackson just says, I'm good. You guys just go out there and win the game. I'm sorry. I like Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's not Kobe Bryant. He's not. And he's never going to be. It's a different thing. You need to have a play. And it's not a knock on Jimmy Butler. It isn't. He, but he just not, he's not able to just do it. He's not just going to get the ball and just make, make it happen. Can he sometimes do that? He can. But do you get what I'm saying? You can't just expect the players to just get it done for you. You still need to coach. Totally. I, and another thing that I think really went against him, I'd be interested to see what Jimmy's thoughts are. I did not hear in any postgame interview. But the way he approached it in the nonchalant way that he did, kind of like jokingly dribbling it, kind of casual, 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 and then now I got two seconds, I got to do something. I think the problem with that is acting in that manner, it tells the defense, I don't have much to worry about until I have to worry, which is when he actually moved. So it's like not only – because the way you're behaving, it's it's indicating to the defense, it's making their job easier. Yeah. Um, it, you know, and now you have ten eyes on you. Everybody's staring at you. Um, if they did have a chance to steal one, they missed it right there with the bad out of bounds. So the last thing I'll mention is Aaron Brooks, four minutes minus four. Like that guy is a <clears throat> minus every game. I, I'm so sick of watching it. And George's hunt, no no minutes. I mean, the guy doesn't doesn't even play for one minute. I mean, that's, that, need, that can't happen. Play George's Hunt, move Jamal Crawford over to the point guard position. It's not hard. So Straightforward. Yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing else really more that needs to be said on what, that. Uh, what's the next game then? So the Wolves, after that game, play the Boston Celtics. So they go from worst in the East to best in the East and uh, take on a Boston Celtics team. This was a game I, I was curious on. I didn't think the Wolves would win this game, but I at least wanted to see them hang close. Uh, they hung close, but to me, at least the score doesn't dictate how the game went. If that makes any sense. Towns is incredible. I we could yeah, give him all the credit in the amazing. world, but the rest of the team did not show up. I was super excited for this basketball game. I, I actually thought going in, I don't think I predicted it as a win, but I got this hunch because the Celtics have kind of been having some back and forth going on with their performances, whether or not they're clicking on all cylinders. The Wolves had a chance to really blow this game open. The Celtics couldn't hit a broadside of a barn for the first basically three quarters. Their three-point shooting was atrocious, even though every shot from outside the arc was wide open. I mean, we're talking, you know, NBA players, you can give them like a hand's length and that's open. Giving them like 
three to four to five feet on shots is like yeah. all day wide open. And the Celtics were missing that. And I even tweeted it out. I said, this is the Wolves playing with fire. And sure enough, they finally it took a couple good threes. And that was all she wrote. I thought we saw enough, though, where you could you feel like if the Wolves played well, they could they could beat the Celtics. Yes. So on the off chance, it somehow becomes uh, Celtics-Wolves finals. I think you could stick with them. What's very interesting, and this is such a difference between any team, like competitive Wolf team that I've seen. Now, granted, there has been many, but the Kevin Love era, we did have that 41 and 41 season where we did finish a lot of games on the losing end that were close. You felt like when you played a good team, you always felt like you were the lesser. Here we played a good team, and you felt like we can do what we want to do. If we do actually execute the way we know we can execute – this is a Wolves win, and we, we're going back. And we didn't execute. And that's the and best that was, way to put that it. that was the key. So, the Towns, what a waste of a 25-23 game. Right? That was unfortunate. But no one else showed up. Uh, Jamal Crawford, while he played fairly well in terms of like shooting from the three, and he was a minus. Surprisingly, Aaron Brooks. So this is, of the last two games, Aaron Brooks, he went from being absolutely terrible to just terrible. And he was a plus two in this game, so I'm going to give him a shout-out there. But that's it. Other than that, this game was forgettable. What about your boy, Belly? How's he been playing? He's been rough since he came back. He really has. He struggled. He's not, he's not shooting much, but when he does shoot, you're pretty sure it's not going in. He looks out of shape. I mean, he's out of something. He's out of shape. He's out of sorts. He doesn't look like he has any fire or passion. I'm going to give him a pass just on the fact that he's kind of getting back, and he doesn't play very many minutes. Like five minutes, it's tough to really get much going. So hopefully it's a short-term thing because earlier in the season before his injury, even in small amounts of minutes, he was able to be productive and you know hit threes and drive a little bit, make some passes. So I want to see that belly. we got to get him back. But, again, he doesn't play much. He's not going to have a giant impact on the game at this point. Wolves really take care of the ball, though. Again, in this game, only 12 turnovers. Mm-hmm. I still am fascinated by how effective they are on, on maintaining possession, something that I'm just not used to when I watch a Wolves game. I'm, I'm used to yeah. seeing 20, 25 turnovers from this Gordy team. Gordy Jenga minus 16. Ugh. Boy, Anyways, Wolves I, lost. Yeah. And I, now ugh. the Wolves get put in quite possibly one of the worst like travel positions after this game, because now you have uh, the second night of the back-to-back. You were in Boston at TD Garden. You come home to take on the Pelicans. The Pelicans have been in Minneapolis since the Thursday prior. Yep. They flew in. They, they had rested, everything in their favor. They practiced. This is a this is what ESPN called like a, a road alert game or whatever it was that the Wolves were basically guaranteed to lose. And what do our Timber Pups do? Kick they em. go up by as much as 34. So this we've, we've said this starting last year. The caveat for me is once the Wolves hit 30, I feel like it's going to be a win. I don't know about you guys, but in this game. I did not feel that way. It didn't feel that way. Whatsoever. And they started letting it slip away, and yeah. I was worried. It got down to like 16 at one point, and I'm like, what is happening? This is terrible. And they found a way to win, but for... If you're, let's say there's, you know, it's 48 minutes in a game. I would say for like 36 to 38 minutes this game, this was the best basketball the Wolves have played all year. But man, for that like 10 to 12 minutes, they were terrible. Yeah, like just terrible, jacking up bad shots, making poor decisions. It was rough for a stretch. Jim Peterson had a good, had the quote of the night for me, and he said, 
you could see DeMarcus Cousins had kind of like that, like to me, like, oh, like, woe is me. Like, like kind of that, like, dejected look on his face. And that's when you knew it was over. I tell you what, Rob, I 1000% agree with you. That first part where the wolves were clicking. Unbelievable. That was, that's everything. When I think of this team that I believe that they can achieve. And now I've seen it. And really the key for us, anyone listening right now here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel, and obviously you're, if you're a Wolves fan, you know, you're tuned into the howl because you love the Timberwolves. Let me tell you this. Watch that if you didn't. If you did, now you know what we're talking about. Take that, and that's the formula that this team needs to perfect by the time playoffs come around. Because if they can give that type of effort, you know, Put a variance on it by 10% or so, so it's 90% of that performance. You're talking, you know, they scored 116 points with basically like a 10-minute pooper stretch. I mean, (laughs) they could be getting 120 points a game, keeping people under 100 Mm -hmm. easily. And this is coming off of, you know, we just had back-to-back losses. Do you guys understand we had not had back-to-back losses since November 19th, November 20th, when we lost against the Pistons and, and the Hornets? I mean, that's a long stretch of time. It is. Oh, yeah. So to come back here, like Rob said, nightmare situation, well-rested team. The Pels have already kind of given us trouble, and we just kick them. And, we, and, and to give to – give, I'm going to give them credit again. Did anyone appreciate uh, – Post defense, Aaron Brooks when he when he's like jumping out of the gym. I had no idea that guy was that athletic. He's going up there and trying to block whether it's Anthony Davis, whether it's Demarcus Cousins. I appreciated his effort. Again, they're still basketball players. Rob. He still they're stinks. Athletic. He still stinks. But yeah. like, I just didn't realize how athletic he was. Like, he can jump. Guy's got some ups. Uh, I was very impressed, and he was a plus four. The bench, the bench definitely struggled a bit in this game, and the stretch we talked about where we were poor. We were quite poor, and that included some of the starters because Thibs has done a pretty good job of not just going hockey lineup where it's just all bench or, you know, he doesn't sub everyone in or everyone out at the same time. So this was one of those games where we just had that little bit of a stretch. But overall, great win. Absolutely. This this was the win that we needed that, that good teams get, and the Wolves in there. In their green, lime green, lovely lime green jerseys, get the win. And, and Towns, to bef- 98. just before we move on, this was the first game Towns did not f- look overmatched when yeah. we played Davis and Cousins. Towns usually lets him get under his skin. He just, he can't bring that A game, and he, and he brought it. He was good. He was solid. We need that. More of that. All right, let's move ahead to the preview. At the time of recording, the Wolves are currently taking on the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to preview this game and uh, uh, break it down next week. The Wolves also take on the Thunder, the Knicks, and the Blazers in a nice little five-game home stretch here uh, against some uh, some pretty tough talent. Uh, guys, quick thoughts on the Cavaliers uh, and, and what this game could be for the Timberwolves. The Cavaliers are a great team, and now that they have Isaiah Thomas, they're going to be even better. Now, you don't really know what you're going to get out of him consistently just because early on, you know, he's not going to play a ton of minutes. Uh, They're going to kind of ease him into that role. But, you know, you add him to a team that was already playing lights-out basketball. I mean, really good basketball. And I just think this is is a tough game. Ultimately, though, do I think we win? I I think we do. I think we find a way to get a, a close win at home. But if we lost, it would not surprise me. 
I mean, like like we said earlier, um, you know, you look at who the Cavaliers have, with the exception of LeBron. Uh, Kevin Love doesn't scare me. Dwayne Wade doesn't scare me. Uh, Corver is a great three-point shooter. Shout out to Dwayne Wade, by the way. One-dimensional. He, he sent out a tweet, uh, hash, hashtag NBA vote for Jimmy Butler. So I, I appreciate the players wanting the actual players that deserve to be in. Well, now doing that. So we're we're recording the show while the game's actually playing. Uh, I've actually seen Justin Patton twice on Twitter uh, tweeting. Uh, to vote for Cat and to vote for Tyus Jones. That's fantastic. So that's great to see. I, I wonder don't know if, if he that's actually like, should be or not, but uh, he is. If that's like rookie like due diligence, like you know, here rook. <laughs> yeah. Vote tweet, me up on Twitter. Tweet for me. Get yeah. it done. Get it done. It, it's sort of like uh Thanasis, uh Giannis's oh my brother. Gosh, yes. He, his, he is the his best. His campaign is Dude, ridiculous. Yep. I'll be I'll be going into work. Although he's not much on Twitter anymore. Who? Thanasis? Yeah. Yeah. I don't think, but he's, wow. like, my, my, uh, my I will have a 30-minute stretch where it's just, like, blah. Yeah. So are we, uh, are we all in agreement? Win? Yes. Win. 100% win. So I wish they would have worn, worn the lime green ones for this one. It's a, they, they really go for the Saturday night feeling. I kind of want, I want to see those, I want to see the grays. I, I, the like city, not, is that the city jersey, the city, right? They're not debuting them until Thursday the 1st against Milwaukee. I would, I would have loved to see them tonight. I wonder what they're, so... The, and that's actually the, the so they wear them three four times in the season. We Milwaukee, Denver, L.A., and Denver. We talked about how we didn't love the original jerseys initially. We weren't like totally sold on them. Once you see the players wearing them, though, they definitely think they, it looks so much nicer. So once we actually see the players in the city jerseys, I think that'll make a big difference. Um, so the next game is Wednesday night. The Wolves stay home. They take on OKC. I'll I'll start this one off, guys. If the Wolves beat the Cavs and the Wolves beat them badly, I think the Thunder don't win this game by any amount. I think the Wolves win by ten plus. If if they can if they can win by more than fifteen, did the Thunder just lose to the Lakers? Mm, I mean, Didn't I, I just know. see that? I don't. Did we recently? That would have been. Uh, Did they night. just have a bad loss? I thought they just lost to someone and it was like, what happened? That would have been like Friday night. My my thing is uh, the Thunder just are a team. You know what the Thunder feel like? The Thunder feel like the Clippers of every year, where they're going to be good. You yeah. know what you're going to get. You're going to get a solid game, but they're not great. And that's how I feel about them. And that's why I think we win this game. Yeah, I'm going to say this is a win as well. And I will say for for as far as our prediction segments go, like this, we're always we always tend to be a little homerish, but we got a good team, and we haven't had a good team in a long time. So you know what? We're going to pick wins. The Thunder, just for the record, lost on New Year's Eve to the Mavs, 116-113. Oh, that was probably what I was thinking of, was the Mavs They game. destroyed the Lakers, 133-96. Yeah, it must have been the Mavs game that I was well, thinking of. Well, hold on, and then they just lost to the Suns yesterday. Oh, no, you're right. That's what it was. So I would say two bad losses in four games. Well, they're going to get a good loss. And, and that's how that's kind of how their season's been going. Up until this little stretch here, yep. they'd been kind of putting it together. I just don't trust them, and I love the way we match up with them. I think of a lot of the teams in the NBA, I think we can deal with them. We just got to figure out a way to stop that guy, Steven Adams. Yeah. Because last time, I think, what was it, 13 for 13? Yeah, Did he, he shot, go? Shot lights out. Lights out? Lights yeah. out. That's, uh, and there are there, what, is there one more or two more games? There's two more. So let's we'll go over the two we'll more run games through these briefly because they're two of the – 
They're the two worst teams in this four-game stretch. The New York Knicks and the Portland Trailblazers Friday, my birthday, and Win-win. Sunday. Win-win. Um, I'm calling a 4-0 stretch here. I'm worried about the Portland game, especially the way uh, Damian Lillard left town. I, I can have this feeling that he might have a little bit he more uh, injured still. He is. He's not going to be playing. Well, it's not for it, sure, but if he's not playing, then that's definitely, I'm going to call win. And you know what? This is the first so I, I, I saw, home stretch. Finally, we've I had. saw a tweet that said that he's, he's taking his time coming back. Um, just, he doesn't want to rush anything. Um, you know, he just, he kind of wants to, wants to take it easy and make sure that, that when he does come back, um, they ruled him out for Tuesday's game against OKC. That's his second straight game uh, missed with a right calf strain. So when you come back to, you know, when when you're dealing with calves and hamstrings, those injuries can linger, and he could be he could miss this game, which would be a huge stretch uh, for the Wolves. So let's put a ribbon on it. What are we thinking? I'm going to go win. Oh. So I'll go four zero. Oh. Four zero. Oh. oh man! Come on, Aaron. Don't be Aaron Downer. Jump jump on the train. Dilly 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 dilly. 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 4-0 from all three of us. Uh, let's take a look at the great Iowa Wolves. Actually, before we do, real quick, just quick stats. The Wolves are third in the league overall in steals per game with nine. Uh, they are sixth overall in free throw percentage at 79.9%. Seventh overall in field goal percentage at 47.4. And uh, seventh overall in points per game with 108 per game. They are 21-6. and six against the West Conference, and 14-6 and six at home. Moving on, our beloved new team, the Iowa Wolves. Uh, guys, they've been tearing it up recently, and it's, it hasn't even been close. And they can't wa- to me, they are can't-miss basketball at the moment. I've, I'm catching every game, whether it's uh, Facebook Live. They've had a, they had the game on Twitch recently, which, for anyone that d- doesn't follow me on Twitter... I went to try to find the game on Twitch because I missed it live. I was going to watch the replay. And they didn't even have it titled correctly. They had it being two I, different teams. I saw you post that. And the only reason I found it is because I happened to see the picture in the background, and it was clearly the game where we played because we were playing the Texas Legends. So um, I found that kind of amusing. But I gave the I told the Iowa Wolves about it, so I'm sure they'll get it taken care hey, of. Hey, what's your Twitter handle, P- Rob? People need to know. At the Sportsmin. So get Sports em. M-I-N-N. Hit them up. Uh, so the Wolves are... Seven and one in their last eight games. They've been absolutely playing phenomenal basketball. Uh, their next and actually game, they're ten. They've won ten of their last twelve. Yeah, this it's it's absolutely crazy how much they've uh, they've jumped up in the standings here. Uh, they so they the team plays in the Midwest Division. They are twelve and ten overall, uh, sitting second behind Oklahoma City Blue. Um, yeah, eight and two in the last ten. Nine and five at home. Uh, half game, half game back, and some good players too. By the way, Emil Jefferson absolutely dominating. Uh, leads the league in rebounding rebounds per game. Has been playing just actually. If you go on to so Basketball Reference, what I love is they actually do have G League now. And if you go on to all the leaderboards, almost every single leaderboard, Emil Jefferson's in the top ten. I mean, the guy is just playing phenomenally. And I think his only downfall is he's not tall. If he wasn't six eight, if he was six ten, six eleven. He'd be on the team right now because he is playing phenomenal basketball. I, I'm a huge Emil Jefferson fan. A- add that to some of the other guys on this team. Anthony Brown is absolutely dominating. A lot of Wolves Twitter have been calling for Anthony Brown to get a call up. But again, th- obviously the problem would be he wouldn't be playing here. And he's putting on a sh- a, just a clinic with the Wolves. Uh, real quick, sorry. Uh, they just announced a fourth consecutive sellout 
for the Wolves against Cleveland this evening. First time since March of 2012 when Kevin Love was wearing a slightly different jersey and Ricky Rubio was a rookie. Uh, sorry, going back into the G League. Let's let, let me ask you guys this. I know we talked about it a little bit um, earlier on and we'll talk about it more, but who's a guy that you would like to see get called up from Iowa and just get consistent playing time? I know we've mentioned it a little bit, but give me give me that that I'll that say it. it. So right now, just based on who would actually probably get minutes, I think the guy that I would want called up and actually he'd have to be signed to a ten day would be Melo Trimble. Because I don't need to watch Aaron Brooks anymore to realize the guy doesn't doesn't belong in the NBA as far as playing minutes. I get having him as an NBA bench guy, you know, that, that veteran presence. But as far as getting minutes, he doesn't deserve minutes. Well, and Melo Trimble should get a shot. He is only getting minutes because of Tyus's injury or because of uh, Correct. Teague's injury. which is why I'm saying, like, right now, a 10-day contract where Melo Trimble plays yeah. just until you get Jeff Teague back, uh, those are valuable minutes. Plus, that's, that's some goodwill to some of these players. I think the Iowa Wolves have a lot of guys that in the long run are going to be NBA players. And it's going to be beneficial to bring them up because we, we're going to talk about this in the second quarter, but you're going to have issues salary cap-wise going forward. And if you can get some kind of these diamond-in-the-rough guys, like a, whether it's Milo Trimble, whether it's Anthony Brown, I, I think you, you have to find ways to do that. And 10-day contracts are going to be the kind of the stepping stone. I uh, would like to see Anthony Brown. And I everything Rob said is completely um, – I would echo everything – um, he would be the most likely to actually get the minutes, because another thing that we could talk about with you know Aaron Brooks versus Melo Trimble. Okay, yes, you need the veteran presence, but I think the team's been a, around and playing together long enough where that starts to sort of like hit a point of diminished value. Well, and Brooks doesn't have to go anywhere. We have the roster spots. Yeah, and where Melo Trimble, you really get a good kick the tires look on what he's like on the big stage, and I like his physical... And you had him in training camp, so it's not like it's a brand-new system. Exactly. Now, with Anthony Brown, the reason I want him on the team, uh, let's not forget what just happened out in Brooklyn. One three-pointer. Anthony Brown just hit 10. Yep. In a game. Come on. (laughs) The other guy that I'm going to throw this out there is kind of a dark horse guy I really like. Like, I'm a huge fan of this guy. Michael Bryson... Uh, for anyone that hasn't watched the Iowa Wolves, Michael Bryson is a fun guy to watch. Can jump out of the gym, like super athletic. Got a great shot. He's shooting ninety-two percent from the free throw line. He's shooting forty-three or forty-four percent from three. He, he's not starting. He's playing like twenty-one, twenty-two minutes a game. Uh, he's young. You know, I think he's twenty-one years old. He's a guy to watch down the road. I think he's going to make an impact at some point. Maybe you- not for the maybe not for the Timberwolves. But I think he could be special at some point. I'm I'm just becoming a big fan of Michael Bryson. Have you? Do you know what college you went to? Uh, shoot, you, uh, Michael Bryson went to UC Santa Barbara. That's right, because he's the all time. He might be the all time leader for percentage or something. He's their all time leader for something. I can't think of what it was, but they talked about it during. I think it was the most recent game. And you know, to 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 review the games that were just over this last week, we talked about how great the Wolves are playing. Uh, they beat, we talked about how they're just behind the Oklahoma City Blue. They beat the Oklahoma City Blue 124-102. to 102. They did uh, have a game after that against the Sioux Falls Sky Force where they lost 128-103. to 103. At one point, they were up by, I believe, 14 points in this game. And, and, you, and you looked like you, they were going to run away with it. But, man, all of a sudden, 
it was one of those things where Iowa seemed to forget how to play basketball, and and the Sioux Falls Sky Force were passing the ball well. They they were making shots. Uh, they looked really really good. Tony Mitchell uh, to call it a guy for Sioux Falls looked really good. Twenty five points in that game, and then the most recent game, Texas Legends. Um, Texas Legends are a decent team, uh, but the Iowa Wolves got Elijah Millsap back in this game. He scores twenty points. Uh, he's a really solid player, uh, and they find a way to win this game, 118 to 111. As far as the legends go, um, a guy to watch going forward, Jonathan Motley. And they mentioned this a lot. So this was the Texas Legends announcing crew was the one that did this game. And they mentioned a lot how Jonathan Motley, what's really stopping him from not already being in the league is that he's just not tall enough. If he had a couple inches, if he had you know two, three inches taller. Uh, and he was a, a Baylor difference. product? Uh, I think so. Yeah. The other guy that I, they talked about that's actually leading the league. So they have the guy that's leading the league. That's uh, uh, Justin Dentman leads the league in scoring. Uh, so another guy to watch. But again, he's just not tall, and that's that's that plays a role. If you're looking to call a guy up, sometimes that can be a large factor. It's kind of like Melo Trimble. If Melo Trimble was like two, three inches taller, he'd probably already be playing. So it makes a difference. But overall, this is a fun team to watch. If you haven't been watching them. Uh, this is the time to do it. My favorite thing is that they're trying to give us all these platforms to watch. Like you said, being able to watch it on Twitch, Facebook Live, super cool, ingenious ways to get more viewers and fans involved in the game. You get much more access. It's it's amazing, a great experience, and kudos to them. On a funny note before we move on, uh, I really enjoyed, so in one of the games, it might have been the last one, so... One thing you get in this in these games that you don't experience necessarily when you're watching, like let's say an NBA full NBA game, is sometimes you kind of catch like the in between quarter stuff. And they had a thing where they had like a like an older male dance group, and they were all kind of overweight. And I appreciated they started to do this thing where they took their shirts off, and right when they did, the camera just mysteriously went black, <laughs> and they did not show that anymore. And I appreciate that. Older, overweight men in tank tops is something I don't need to see. Uh, all right. On that note, <laughs> let's uh, let's go into quarter two. Let's, uh, we've got a lot to talk about in our talkers segment, uh, including Howell Hot Takes. We all discuss LeVar Ball and the Wolves' future salary cap dilemma. That's all coming up quarter two and more. Quarter two of the Howell. Again, that was American Dream featuring J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar by Jeezy. Uh, we are going to start off our talkers segment as we do uh, every second quarter. Uh, we're going to start with the Howl Hot Takes, uh, which is basically us calling people out on Twitter for saying incredibly stupid stuff. Uh, Rob, take us away. So the first one, this is from a big Tyus Jones fan. Uh, she's not the one that actually says it, but um, at Ch- Tyus Jones, at Tyus Jones Stan, she said, "This lady, the lady at this poster place I'm at, just called Jimmy Butler Stuart Butler. She goes, she gets an NBA vote for that, which Some I Stuart Butler, Stuart Butler. That's up there with Tyler Jones, Lashawn James. Yeah, so ridiculous. Um, she she must like like uh, people waiting on her. Butler Stuart, you know, no. All right, womp, womp, womp. <laughs> uh, let's move on to the next one. Who is uh, at?" Is it Jibberman10? Jibberman. Yeah, Jibber, or Jibberman. Gibber, however you want to pronounce it. And he goes, 
Booker's been the best shooting guard in the NBA, not named Jimmy Butler this season. Feels like a pretty reasonable thing to say. <laughs> the next person, and he goes, because Harden's a point guard. So someone goes, Clay Thompson and DeMar DeRozan do exist. Like, <laughs> and he goes, oh, he's a better lead piece than Clay. Clay is better for the context of the Warriors. And it's just like, come on, man. Like, we all get that Booker's a solid player, but let's not pretend, let's not oversell how good he is. Like not at this stage, at least. This guy, this guy tried to convince him that James Harden and CP3 were were in the running. The guy goes point guard, and he goes CP3. And he goes they're both point guards. And he goes, eh. <laughs> <laughs> like my at at Henny Spiff NBA does not know that James Harden and yeah. CP3 are point guards. Correct. Uh, next one at Chicago Bulls bot, and their name is also Chicago Bulls rumors. Lowry Market in the last four games, 21 points per game, nine rebounds per game, 53.4% field goal, 43.3% from three. And as everyone knows, on this show, we really like Lowry Marketing. We're big fans. But So he goes, Jimmy Butler is a solid player. But it's safe to say at this point the Bulls won the Butler trade, buying low on Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, assuming he fully recovers, and getting a future star back in Marketing. Calm down. Wow. <laughs> like, the Wolves went from being one of the 10 worst teams in the league to being one of the five best. So let's not pretend that the wolves got screwed somehow in this deal. Like long term, maybe the bulls like, you know, this jumps them ahead in terms of like rebuilding, but to say they've won this trade, I don't think so. I, I will say Chris Dunn averaging 19 and a half points the last five games, eight assists, 5.3 rebounds. Could, could you say they both won? I'm fine with that. But to say like, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no loser in this. And I like one of the first comments. Jimmy Butler, a solid player. He's a little more than solid. <laughs> you know, the piece that this guy is failing to realize is that his logic. You have to take into account one. Laurie Markkinen does indeed continue this for some sustained period. Right. Chris Dunn continues to sustain this for a period, and if uh, Zach Levine continues, the thing we know for certain. Is Jimmy Butler's a star? Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler's an All NBA player, and he is contributing yep. right now at these high levels, and has been for a long time. And then, so we got all of the firm facts in this the springboard equation. for this. You'll both appreciate this. One of the responses was, "Well, there's no doubt the Bulls lost the Golden State trade," <laughs> which I appreciated. Um, and then, so the last, uh, the last Howell hot take. We got one left here. This is. Uh, Name the star, and that's uh, so at name the star. Lonzo Ball and Draymond Green got the same stats, yet Draymond is about to be an all star, and people are saying Lonzo was a bust. And then he's got like the kind of hmm emoji. It's like you're an idiot, they're not the same stats. Lonzo Ball stats are what's funny is someone posts the stats down below, and they're not even like they're not even close to the same. Like, especially if you go off of like shooting percentages, Draymond Green is light years ahead of Lonzo Ball. So let's not and, – and think about just – even if you went just defense, like this isn't even a comparison. Not even – no, it's, not, it's not even close. It's not even it's not close. close. So, uh, yeah, shout free, out to that guy. Free throw percentage. Look at that column right there. I mean, it's just – 48% what are, what are we from a guard? Here? How does a you guard know? shoot under 50% from the free throw line? How does anyone do it? But, yeah, especially a guard. Oh, my goodness. So, anyways – 
That's uh, that's our Howl Hot Takes segment. This was my favorite one that we've done. It was pretty good, right? Yeah. It's it's a bummer. I had one that I, I had on Twitter that I tagged you guys in, and now I can't find it anymore. Oh, actually, it's just called Your Timeline. Oh, wow. <laughs> my timeline is full of hot takes. Yes, it is. <laughs> it, it is. It's it's uh, Kevin's fi- a fire tweeter. I am. I'm, I'm, I'm fire tweeter. <laughs> I'm working. I'm working on getting better. Sounds like you got to get some medicine for that, bro. <laughs> uh, Although I will say, I've, there's a couple tweets I'm super proud of. Anywho, uh, moving along, let's get into the Lavar Ball saga. And this is multifaceted, by the way. Very multifaceted. Very intricate. Um, as, as some people would say, a an S-storm, if you will, with an expletive in there, of LeVar Ball versus the L.A. Lakers. Well, now, before we do that, let me just – I want to throw out this. This was kind of a tiny story, but I found it amusing. For like a day or two, there was a glitch on Google. When you typed in LeVar Ball, it said he was the founder of the NBA. <laughs> Oh God! Could you imagine how much he loved that? <laughs> the he picture, probably did it. The he picture of him, did it. The picture of him. Believe me, he's loving it. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Like I was gonna say, call this glitch McDonald's because he's loving it. No question. All right, so we got into we got into the Lavar Ball Google, but wait, but it, I sound like an infomercial. But wait, there's more. Uh, what did Lavar say? This is say? an infomercial, by the way, that I'm not buying. Yes. Uh, so Lavar Ball started a fight. Between almost every NBA coach and ESPN, started a fight between him and Luke Walton. Uh, and Jamel Heal jumped in because she has to jump in. Yeah, she does. And everybody, everybody's jumping in on this. This is a this is a big topic. Um, what are your guys' thoughts? How about that? Let's well, first there. off, so first off, let's what did what did Lavar Ball say? He, he said say? to ESPN's Jeff Goodman, Luke, uh, referring to head coach Luke Walton, doesn't have contra- control of the team no more. They don't want to play for him. Which players have come out and said that's not true. Like Kyle Kuzma came out and was like, no, no, I fully support him. You know, of course, who doesn't Who doesn't come out and say that? Uh, Lonzo Ball. They ask him. And I will say this. In Lonzo Ball's defense, it's got to be tough. You're, it's between a rock and a hard place, right? It's your organization and your family. And so, to be fair, he kind of went the diplomatic route and just said, I'll play for anybody. Yeah, so... Uh, the reporter goes, what was your reaction to what your dad said? Lonzo just says that he's going to speak his mind. There's nothing I can do. The reporter goes, do you think Luke has lost the locker room? Lonzo said, I don't think so. He's our coach. So I'm going to play for him. I mean, that's... so it's, it's not a singing endorsement, but he's he's also not, it's almost more the latter, right? Yeah. Yeah, and but then, would then, you really expect a singing endorsement from Lonzo, a guy that says five words out of max at any given time? Have you ever seen him say anything enthusiastically? Did you watch, his, like, when, he, did you watch his, when him and his dad were on? They've been on the interviews together, and he like barely says a word. Oh, of and course. He's, he never looks happy. You know what it is? He, he kind of looks like, a, like that person that's been like kidnapped and is like afraid to speak. Like you, that's kind of how you feel. I feel like if you're LeVar Ball's son, that's got to be tough. I mean, it is. And, and to be fair, can the Lakers be mad about this? They chose this. This was their own doing. Is you it a, knew what you were getting with him. Is it a coincidence that the same people that produces reality show for Facebook Live is the same group that did Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Of course not. Which, which uh, you saw the, the latest thing with the Facebook Live, right? Oh, How yeah. the, team, the two players weren't allowed to go to their most recent game? 
in Lithuania because the place they were going didn't allow the TV cameras. So here they go to play a game and they're not even allowed to join the team. It's like it's crazy, man. That's crazy, and I'm sure they, I'm sure the players couldn't do anything. Like I'm sure, you know, Lamelo and Leangelo. I'm sure they probably have contracts for this. I'm sure they weren't actually allowed to say like, oh, the cameras got to stay. I bet they couldn't do that. So again, there's the dad putting the kids in a bad situation, and it's costing him. Now I will say this though, um, I don't think we have it queued up here. But did you guys see what Lavar Ball did do in a positive note? He he actually was able to like negotiate a deal for the league that they're in where they're going to play like some upper echelon teams. And it's like unheard of they like what he was able to get done. So for all the negativity that, that goes with LeVar ball and it's well-deserved, I'm going to give the guy credit. He gets stuff done. I mean, he grinds as we like to say, it's wild because he is so polarizing. This is the type of behavior you see. You see Mm -hmm. this real, just almost antagonistic style of just speaking yes. and interacting with others. But then you see some things that are just amazing, like the deal-making you had said. Um, I, I don't know what to make of the guy, man. I just think it's – for me, it's a bit – it's too crazy for me. Um, I don't get down like that, but, you know, teach their own. Yep. Uh, one last thing for me on this whole LeVar, Lonzo, Luke Walton thing. The reporter asks to end the interview, do you like Luke as a coach? And Lonzo says, quote, I'll play for anybody. Which, again, you know, I, I get what he's supposed to say because he's between his dad and but his you But can, you can still word it a little bit better than yep. I'll play for anybody. Now, just to springboard before we move on to something completely different, the Rick Carlisle and now the, the NBA Coaches Association coming out, and and they're pretty, they're pretty mad about this, how they, you know, jo- Jeff Goodman posting this article for one, giving LeVar Ball this stance and being allowing him to say this stuff. Yep. I'm sorry. I disagree with Jameel Hill. I disagree with ESPN. I, I'm not a fan of this. I'm, I'm not I'm either. not a fan of this at all. Nope. And I think Rick Carlisle has every right to be upset with ESPN because think about all the interviews these guys do for ESPN. Think about all the stuff they do for ESPN on a daily basis. And then ESPN just goes and throws one of them under the bus. I just think that's classless. I, I'm not a fan. I, I can agree with that, Rob. And another aspect of that is – okay, why this guy? Why does he get the voice? Mm-hmm. Why know why? Because he says alleged things. It gets ratings. People tune in. Mm-hmm. They just see his name. It's it's an intention-seeking thing. But, you know, imagine, you know, you can't tell me he's the first NBA parent or family member that's, you know, outspoken, loud, you know, bold, every, all that, but they never got a stage. He's created it and got this, and, mm-hmm. and now they've maintained it. It's uh, you know keeping viewership up and they listeners, want clicks. and you know that's what you get. But I think the guy that really gets the win on this was Luke Walton saying, you know, oh, you know why did you, why yes. did you you know why did you pull a, uh, I can't even say his name Lonzo early. He says, well, his, her his dad was talking shit about, him. <laughs> and he said I was just joking, but it was epic. That was awesome and. And I like that from him. I, I think it's cool when you can take things in stride like that. Definitely. And and honestly, I'm so flip floppy with this whole topic that it's like I almost feel like we're all getting one story, and the behind the scenes they're all laughing like ah yeah. oh, it's whatever. It's not it's not a big deal to any of them within that little niche out there. I have no clue. I can't put my finger on the pulse. And I don't. To be fair, I don't know if Luke Walton is a good coach. I don't think anyone knows at this point. 
because he goes from the Warriors. Right. And let's let's be honest. A cardboard cutout of Steve Kirk win games for the Warriors. Like, let's not pretend like Luke Walton was the reason it happened. Exactly. But at the same time, he could be a really good coach. I I'm, I just don't know. So, I think he has to be a good coach to deal with this circus show, and then the team. Yeah, they've had this big losing streak. They just got off of, but. I thought they'd been playing okay. You saw the draft. They've mm-hmm. hit some good picks with the draft. I think the biggest thing with Lonzo right now, like we when we started out talking, when we recap when we recap the the Lakers game, he's putting up numbers. Yes, he's a bad shooter. Hopes to improve it, etc. But when you pick somebody at two, I don't care who you are. There's been a hand. Think of how many basketball players went in the top ten. That had all that pressure that did way worse than Lonzo. Sure. You know what I mean? So it just, there's a lot of pressure innately on anybody that's picked that high. If Lonzo was picked, say, 13th or 15th or 20th, that's completely gone. Then it's kind of like anything you're getting is a bonus. Anyways. Yep. LeVar is successful in getting his message out. And being the braggadocious, boastful, loud kind of guy that he is, because of the you know need it now media that we that we've kind of become yep. with Twitter and everything, where you can legitimately click on your home button and refresh and see new tweets and see the breaking news come through. Lavar is able to say something and have it stick. Yeah, and then he Very can true. say something else ten minutes later, and make people forget about the first thing that he said and have it stick. And he keeps building off of that. And in all honesty, I think it's going to come back to bite him. If I mean, he's uh, I'm not I'm not hating on Levar Ball the father because we've seen he's a good father to his kids. He wants his kids to grow up well, and he does great things for them that the news probably doesn't report he you know he I mean sure. obviously he's got three kids who are all premium basketball players like he's it's tough to know if that's a good or bad thing though you know what i mean well no i know but he's but i mean he's obviously he's obviously instilling in them good core values to become these these top tier athletes that are playing professional ball whether it's here or overseas but his mouth is going to get him in trouble and that's the biggest yeah. thing that i think a lot of people are going to uh are, are going to kind of be waiting for in this uh, let's let's move on. Let's get away from him. Let's go into a positive. The Minnesota Timberwolves hold uh, have held their fifth straight opponent below 100 points, the longest streak since November 4th through the 15th of 2012 when they did it six consecutive games. That was a tweet that Alan Horton, the uh, voice of Wolves play-by-play, sent out January 6th. Um, the Wolves' defensive rating... The previous five games uh, from the sixth back five games, number two in the NBA. Last 10 games, number nine in the NBA. And last 15 games, number 11. Uh, when they, So this was during the New Orleans the right Pelicans direction. game. 60 points on 38.8% effective field goal percentage. A great, great defensive showing for our Minnesota Timberwolves the last 15 games. And we're seeing it. Carl Anthony Towns' defense is becoming night and day better than what we saw early in the year, and he's getting to a very respectable level. And he's not even just passing, like like passable on defense. 
he's legitimately turning it into a strength, which is crazy to think about because, you know, just two months ago you questioned his effort, and now you're like, wow, this is – he legitimately looks like he cares. I mean, not that you ever thought he didn't care, but the effort wasn't there like it is now. Yep. What we all have to take a moment to understand right here is this was why we were all so excited to bring Jimmy Butler to the team. We wanted to see what that would look like, but furthermore, this validated the fan bases and definitely my opinion that this franchise is all in on winning an NBA championship. What we're seeing right now... Kevin alluded to it in the first quarter, talking about how he felt the defense just on a on an eye test had looked like it had been improving. Now you're seeing advanced stats backing that up. And the best part about this is we're at the halfway point of the season. We're seeing fantastic offensive output if the defense shores up, plus not to mention if we add a player or two or three that fill in the little voids that we need. It's not like we're patchworking right now. We are like like sanding with fine grit and ready for yes. the polish. Yeah. This is the team that is set up right now that is about to have a three- or four-year window to make a run for the NBA championship when the Warriors are at their tail end and their window's closing, when the Rockets' window's closing, and we are going to be the lead dog in this space and buckle up, folks, because it is happening right now. Barring no major injuries, this is the team right here. That's always the caveat. Although, kudos to you know Tom Thibodeau and keeping Tyus Jones because I would I would classify Jeff Teague as a pretty major injury, and he's he's found a way to persevere despite having him go down, which well, is impressive. Kudos, Flip Saunders, for having the foresight to draft and make the draft day trade excuse me, of Tyus but, Jones. But at least he kept him, is what I'm saying. There were times where people think thought he might not be kept because they said, you know, day one, they was like, I'm not sure about this guy. And he gave him a shot, which I appreciate. Not everyone would do that, you know. That's, that's part of it. Well, when you're a consummate professional such as Tyus Jones and work ethic might be your middle name, you're going to get looks, you know. Yes, oh, I agree. So what else you got, Kev? Well, Aaron, you you uh, emailed Rob and I on this one uh, before the weekend to talk about the Wolves' future salary cap dilemma. Yes. Uh, the Wolves are going to have a lot of money tied up in three guys for the for a, a pretty decent amount of time. But, Aaron, break down this article uh, that, uh, that you found for us. Well, there's a lot to break down. I mean, I could be talking here for a long time about it. Um, what I want to discuss with everybody listening here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel is the fact that the Minnesota Timberwolves, as good as we are right now, we have some very important financial milestones coming up that need to be just handled with some sort of grace, right? The, the, the obstacles are very clear. We see that, okay, we have a max contract out on Wiggins, Carl Towns, is going to be getting a max contract. Um, Jimmy Butler is is a key cog in this because it's whether or not we extend the current contract that he's in now or ride it out and then sign him to a full max then, which would be even more money to us. Butler doing an extension with the team would actually do us a favor um, in this short period of time. Yes. Now, 
here's the thing. The Timberwolves likely will have a $8.6 million full mid-level exception or part of it based on the tax into $3.4 million biannual exception to work with ahead of the 28-2019 season. So what that means for Wolves fans is, is we can go out and we have the opportunity to sign a full mid-level exception player, $8.6 million. I think that gets you a solid guy. I think you can find a proper guy, and not only do I think you can find a proper player at $8.6 million mid-level exception, is you could – this team is so talented and so prosperous right now. I think we've entered into the category of veterans willing to take slightly less than market to come play with us. That's that's, that's where I think we are going to be at. Um, guys like David West will be lining up down the block for us. Um, one key component – is Gorgie and what we do with his contract. I have gone back and forth on this. Uh, the Howl Radio on Twitter, at Howl Radio, um, posted a question, a poll. Do you keep Gorgie? Do you trade Gorgie? If so, why? If not, why? What What did you see from that? And, and is is he that important for us long term? That's we'll the question. Yes. People were willing to trade him. People are willing to trade him, and it's so difficult because you see games where he makes legit impacts. It's just I don't understand how we can keep him, but I also feel that we can either draft or pick up younger guys that can more or less do and achieve the same impact that he can. I think Patton is drafted specific. I mean, I think part of the reason you draft Patton is for that. I think – Tom Thibodeau probably realized in the end, like the Gorgie Jang contract wasn't as wasn't as solid as he thought, because the market went down a little bit. Guys weren't getting paid what we originally thought they'd get paid. So while Gorgie Jang initially seemed like a pretty good bargain, I don't think it seems that way as much as it did at the beginning. So I think part of the reason he drafted Patton is because eventually you hope that Jang is expendable. I don't know that he is yet though, because if for anyone that's watched Patton and the Wolves for Iowa. He has not been consistent. Long-term, do I think Patton is going to be a really solid player? I really do. I think I think long-term, he could be that replacement for Gibson. He could be that replacement for Chang, where, you know, he's one of those, like, you know, two or three bigs in your main rotation. I think he could be a really good player. I, th- I think coming out of college, some people saw him as kind of a Carl Towns light, just because he has a, kind of a similar skill set Yes, in terms of he can make jump shots. And actually, if you watch him with the Iowa Wolves, he's got a really nice free throw shot, and he's got a really good mid-range game. Who does that remind you of? Gorgie Chang. It's just not – the consistency's not there. Well, in the you know what else is not there? The body of work. Correct. I mean, Gorgie... oh, and the, actually, and to paraphrase, the body, he physically needs to get stronger. Yes. You know, Gorgie, you know – Fantastic college career with Louisville. Um, fantastic international career with Senegal. He's played in serious international yeah, competition. Pat doesn't have that body of work. You're right. And, and there's something to be said when Gorgie comes on the court. You're not really worried about it. He's not going to make any critical errors to the point of detriment. He's going to be a solid guy. He understands his role. And that's what you get when you have more veteran presence. But the big question still remains... Is it worth it? What's the you know? Where's the give and take? Gorgie is expensive. There's no doubt about it. Um, 
I think the time to trade him, though, would be in the offseason as opposed to the trade deadline. Because I don't think you have... Well, it depends if somebody's fire sailing. You got to be... Okay, what would it take? Like, what what could you take back? What would you be willing to trade Gorgie Cheng for? A first-round draft pick. If that was if that was the case at all in any way, so shape, or form, like who's who's taking his minutes? Because that per, that player is not on the roster. I understand that. I think that's a guy you also signed. That's your big Cole Aldridge fan, I guess. No, which I know you're yeah, not. Yeah, Cole, which I know you're not. Um, it, it does get tricky, and and it also gets tricky because if you trade him before this season, just like what you said, who replaces him? Now you're throwing off the chemistry of a team that's really coming to its own right now. Yeah, whereas if you wait till the offseason, I feel like at that point, Patton's got a full year of, of playing professional basketball at a pretty high level. The G League's no, you're not playing with slouches. And then you have a whole offseason. And so the crazy wild card to this whole thing is somehow, I haven't ran the numbers, if they can financially make Gorgie work through the term of his contract and restructure him for less... Can he even do that in the NBA? No, no, no. I'm saying like his, his terms ends, and then he he be, falls into the the mid level exception for his oh, year serving. Sure, sure. Okay, then that's what you sign up for is the base NBA pay at that. I mean, term. He's got three years left, right? I mean, that's... yeah. Be- well, and, and here's the thing: the key for the Wolves is they have to get it figured out by 2021. So that would give them three years. You know, there's. There was the rumor earlier in the season that the Clippers liked go, him. Or they go into the luxury tax. Yeah, well, they're already going to be in the luxury tax. That's a, I mean, that's happening. And, and, and that, to me, is not a bad thing. Because if you're willing to make a run for the NBA championship and you were this close, if I caught wind that you're scared to pay a little bit in the luxury tax for your, your franchise's one chance to win a championship, I mean, that's... And that's Glenn Taylor, though. I mean, I know historically, while he has paid... He has not paid like that. True. But at the same time, we haven't ever had a team that was that good. I mean, the 0304 team was was that good, but the salaries and things like that were so much different back then. This is another point that I want to really get home to the Timberwolves fan base. For me right here and right now, this team, the arena, the rebuild, everything about it screams to me legacy piece for Glenn Taylor. He is he's at the end of his professional career. This is a guy that I think sees a window and a chance. If he can bring home a championship while he's on this earth and in good health, this is a legacy piece for him. I I, I can't help but to believe that. And I feel that not only is the team, the franchise, organization, everything about it, they've gone all in. They brought in the big name coach. They put the money into the arena to make it look good. They went and made the big trade. They're about to spend money on players. They are spending money on players. They are so all in. Would so, you trade, to springboard off what you're saying, if you're going to go all in, would you trade Gorgie Jang? Let's say it was Gorgie Jang, Shabazz Muhammad, and a first-round pick. I know it's probably going to take more than that, but let's say that was it, and that got you DeAndre Jordan. For till the end of the season, would you I'd do, do it? it in a second? Even though you couldn't re-sign him, because there's no way. There's no way to re-sign. I, how, I just how, don't. I don't know how you'd fit that in the books because that, now you're talking a big four, and that that's not. You can't do that. How long is Jordan left? This is his last season because he got a player option for next uh, year, and it's only twenty four million. He's not going to take it. He's no. going to he's going to jump back into free agency, and you're you can't afford. I don't know. You, you you could. I mean, you could sell him on the idea 
of look, let's let's run this for two years, and let's go from there. Like we'll, like you know, take your take your player option. But he's so here's the thing: he's 28 years old right now. He's in the prime of his career. He wants he's going to want 200 million, literally the max. Yeah, and you can't give him that here because you're not going to. I'm sorry, I like DeAndre Jordan. I'm one of his biggest fans. I wanted him in the second round in that draft, but I'm not paying him 200 million over. Towns, you know a team. Butler. You know a team that could easily get him is like New York. I could see the Mavericks going to go after him again <laughs> after he, after he uh, spurned them. <laughs> that'd be something else. But I tell you what, that'd be a good fit for him. But that's the kind of thing. If you're trading Gorgie Jang, you have to trade Gorgie Jang for someone that can do it. So, you know, I could see a scenario where if you said, "Look, Gorgie Jang for." A first-round pick, let's say, and a, a veteran that can step in as that backup center. You know a guy I like is Derek Favors. Hmm, Favors Favors intrigues me. Favors intrigues me. The, you know, the other thing, too, I know Kevin's talked about this, but, you know, do you look to include Bielitsa in a trade? Because he's not playing well here necessarily. He was, and I think people would would understand, you know, what you're trading for in a Bielitsa trade is you're hoping that you can get, get him to re-sign. Because, to be honest... I'd be a little surprised if Bielitsa decides to resign here, only because if you're him, would you want to resign here? Because I don't think so. No, it hasn't gone well for him. I mean, and he could he could start with a lot of teams and play well. Let him have him. I I would be so happy to have him removed from this team because in the moments he plays well, there's equally as many moments as he doesn't play well or doesn't play at all. But look at last year. The second he went down, the season was over. I mean, he was playing yeah, so, so good. You want to hinge your team on the play of belly, but he gets hurt a lot. I think that's the that's the caveat. Is he gets hurt a lot. It's the key. So there's I, that. You, you got to have consistency. You got to have you gotta your hear health. From uh, the Kevster over here. How great of a problem is this to have? Like honestly, the Wolves have it is a good problem. Isn't a, it? Like a big three. We have the ability to add a fourth, and our biggest concern is: Are we going to be able to keep? The fourth. Not, you know, are we going to be able to keep one superstar, two superstars? Yes, we have three. We could add a fourth in a trade. We could, I mean, we have a legitimate opportunity to acquire DeAndre Jordan. Now, granted, what we would give up, like you said, Rob, is probably more than we would want to. But the fact that we have a legitimate chance at it is ridiculous. And it would have to be the final piece, though. So you'd have to feel like getting DeAndre Jordan wins you a championship. So okay, so so there's a, so ESPN just Which released a, a Woj. So ESPN just released a Woj article. Um, a lot of a lot of teams in the NBA right now believe that DeAndre Jordan would be willing to re-sign with the team that trades for him, as long as they're willing to pay him his long-term extension. <laughs> so it's not like he's going to opt out of the deal and hit the free agent market unless you can't offer him that trade and. The, I mean, the biggest team, obviously, right now that I would love to see him go to if it can't be the Wolves is the team in the state next door to us, Milwaukee Bucks. They got a lot of, run a, a lot of bigs. Run a Bledsoe-Giannis-DeAndre combo? Are you kidding me? It'd be fun to watch, but they have so many bigs. That would be. Um, but, no, I mean, this is – look, I, you got you to free up cap space. And, and I think the two – I think we've seen the emergence of one player who has made – another expendable and another player who is solid, but I don't think worth the money that we paid him initially. We had to pay him the money at the time to keep him, 
But I just I he's a great player, but I don't think he's What about Julius Randle? I can't stand Julius Randle. Really? I was I liked him coming out, but he's got an attitude. I, I don't like I think his attitude would get I think his attitude would get checked at if the door. If I'm trading for a power forward right now, I'm calling up the Bulls and saying, "Hey, Miritich. we did it once, let's do it again." I'm looking at Miritich. Yep. But see the Wolves, the big thing with the Wolves. Let's let's get into this right now. We got a couple minutes left, but real quick, the Wolves biggest need come trade deadline, Aaron. Shooter in a defensive wing. Hopefully one and the same. Rob? I mean, that's so tough to say. It's a wing. It's, it's it it is a wing, but it's, it's hands down a wing. Like it, that's but like, the, that's the but thing. You can't trade for a like where like if you trade for a wing, where they're not getting minutes. That's the problem. There, there's no minutes for that person. I mean, it's just so goofy the way Thibodeau does but his gotta, rotations. But, but that's the thing. It's like you could. It's got to be a wing that you're able to slide down and can guard the two. He's got to be able to guard two, three, and four, which is why I said a defensive. Which is why wing. initially uh, C.J. Miles was the target. If you could have gotten C.J. Miles at the time. Kent Bazemore is available for trade from Atlanta. Oh, that's God. a lot of money, though. Oh. I know it is, but. And he's playing terribly. He's, but, he is a, <laughs> but he is a guy that He can... single-handedly had one of the most disappointing seasons. And I'm a huge Sarah. Bazemore Anybody. fan, and he's not been good, man. He's a guy that can guard the two, three, and four position. Yeah, I'm telling you. Bazemore guarding a four? I don't know about that. He's not exactly a shooter. Uh, I, in fact, I would argue I'd probably rather have Marcus George's Hunt get in those minutes. Like he is now, yeah. which is my which is my concern. I think Marcus George's Hunt might be that guy. I think we already have that guy. We just don't use him. I'm, I, w- I want to throw out one Fair more point, name, Rob. and then we'll get into halftime because I know we're running out of time here this quarter. What about if if the team keeps keeps going in the direction that they uh, that they're going? I think this is a guy that could be made available, and I would love to see it. And I would give up, I would give up almost the farm for this guy. Who? Marcus all. I mean, here's here's the thing. Memphis isn't winning anytime soon. I mean, you can you can almost sit here and say that they're not going to make the playoffs unless unless there's some huge turnaround. They acquire a big name talent like, you know, like they trade for DeAndre, but they don't have the assets to do so. This is going to sound so weird. I think about Marcus all the time like, on, this, on like, this team. <laughs> I would I would give up the farm. It only sounded weird before you said the, on this team. I would honestly give up like. You know, I mean, they, they've got Conley, so they don't need a point guard. So you find somebody that fits. I would honestly today, right now, trade Andrew Wiggins for Marcus All. Whew. I wouldn't. Whew. I, I, I wouldn't think it wouldn't, twice. It wouldn't make any sense. You can call it, me. It wouldn't make you any want, sense. You can, you can tweet at me, at KDraves42. Call oh me crazy. Gosh, he's call me crazy. the howl hot topic. Marcus All for I, Andrew Wiggins. It doesn't make any, I'd do it right now. It doesn't now. make any sense. Why Your not? team is so incredibly unbalanced at that point. Yeah. Why? What do you mean? Why? Your two of your two of your three best players both play the center position. Why can't you move Cat into the four spot? Okay, and then Taj Gibson, arguably your best defender, is on the bench. Like this doesn't come on. Yeah. <laughs> Why not have Taj Gibson come? Hashtag do better, Kevin. Unit? Now, all right. Here, before we go, this is the biggest thing. We can talk all this off season free agency stuff. The biggest deal is this: this summer. Butler is eligible for his extension, and we can pay him up to 120% of his salary, which basically breaks down to it's $188 million over five years. Sure. So it's key that we get a Butler extension done and we don't dilly-dally around with that. 
then we can talk about you know then we can talk about a Gasol trade or something else. I I tell you what, it's going to be so fantastic. And to double back on your point there, Kevin, what a fantastic problem that we have right now. Yeah, correct. This is this is a good. But what I've said all along this season, guys, enjoy the ride. The Wolves haven't been this good in a long time. Yes, there's games we should have won that we lost. Yes, there's games that we lost or that we you know won that we should have lost. Like let's let's just let's enjoy where we're at. We're the four seed. We've got a winning record. We've got three all pro guys at this point in time. And we got the best Wolves show in the world. And we got the best Wolves show. I mean, let's Damn let's right. let's enjoy the ride. We're not expecting a championship this year, but we're making progress, which is all that we want to see. That does it for the first half show. Stay tuned for the second half coming later this week on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere great podcasts are found. You can listen to us on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel on Wednesdays from 2 to 5 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central.